Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Facts is Furnished with me, Roberts. With me, Pete. I'm a light mole out here, yeah? And it's I another week. Robert dropped out of the line, you know? Yeah. That silence so, was mad. You know, my mind is just not working properly right now. So <laughs> I'm I'm trying to autopilot, but my autopilot function is not that good. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another week, another COVID. England are through to the semi-finals of the Euros. Whoop, whoop. Oh, man, oh. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, and was it this week that Matt Hancock got caught? Was it, I think it was this week he resigned, no? Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Oh, man, man was living his best life. Yeah. Bro. Social distancing. <laughs> you know what? I, I read. I read this. Now watch this. Um, I think it was a news reporter handing it to one of the the MPs, and he was like, "On the sixth of um, was it the sixth? Was it twenty sixth? Whatever." Um, Mike Hancock got like got caught, and then on the eleventh this news reporter had to bury his daughter but because of the very same rules that matt hancock had put into place and he had ignored he couldn't like his family couldn't come to see like pay their respects to his daughter and people had to like zoom in and he's like so when we see um both the prime minister and the other other um mps defending him why should we trust in them when they tell us to do stuff when they're like flaunting the rules? And I was like, yo, like it was such a sober yet charged conversation. That I was mm. like, yo, yeah, it was, it was good. It's crazy. Yeah, man. Like it's, it's like with every, with everything that happens, like we trust or well, trust in the government decreases and decreases. Mm. And like I'm surprised that conservatives have stayed in power as as long as they have, with with, with like all the nonsense they've been doing. I think they've got they've got this they've got everything um to the point where it's sort of like you want them to finish it because they sort of spearheaded Brexit, and now you've got this, and it's like you, you sort of want them to bring that chapter to a close, I guess. Um, cleanly, because if you bring in another government, and I guess that was the that was the plan when Boris Johnson called for that that election. Is if you bring in another party now, they're so far along, it's almost like you know you're starting again. So it's like you, you just want them to close it off, and yeah. Well, minutes. We just need a, gov- a government that will get get rid of this this nonsense congestion charge from six to t- six to ten Monday to Sunday. That's outrageous. Ah, you know what? When when they said they were gonna extend it to the weekends, I was crying. I was like, "What?" <laughs> it's me thinking Saturday, Sundays was a good day, and that no. 
because when I used to go to church in East, I was like, yeah, there's more congestion charge. Like, I can just drive the what? Yeah, no, nah, I'm taking the train. It's cool. <laughs> I know that's what they wanted, but I'm like, nah, I'm not about to. Nah, I'm not on it. It's, it, it costs less to take the train. And as much as it's inconvenient, it costs less. So, yeah, that's, I was just like, fun. Yeah. All right, let's get into it today. Hot seat. Who's in the hot seat today? I think it's me, you know. Mm. I think it's me. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm tired. I'll hold the smoke. <laughs> Peter, do you want to go first? Because I need yeah, a second sure. to think of a question. Yeah, sure. So, um, Mo, I've been thinking about this. Um, <laughs> I don't like that. Well. I don't like that statement. And I am sort of trying to figure out a definitive um, answer. So I'll I'll throw the question out to you to see what you think. But what do you think is the reason for the Bible as we have it now? Why is the Bible the way it is for us? That makes Um, sense. In terms of the canon. Yeah, how they've selected the books and stuff, or h- how it was written in terms of in, in terms in terms of the canon, in terms of the books that we have, the books that constitute our Bible, um, yeah. the, the modern day Bible. Why do you think it's as such? Um, um, so I've done I've done very very brief research into this, um, and. I believe that there, there, there was a there was a point where there was quite a lot of heresies that were flying around in terms of um, Gnosticism and stuff that Jesus wasn't actually a human being but he was a spirit, um, and yeah, there wasn't like a physical manifestation of Jesus, which flies in the face of a phys- like a bodily resurrection and stuff like that, which underpins faith. Um, so there are a few um, heresies around that, and so I, I believe, it may have been Nicene Creed or whatever, but no, not not that. There were a few councils, yeah. and one of them was like, "All right, in order to almost circumvent all of these things, we need to clarify which books we're going to um, compile to be like these are these are the, the books in which we're going to take doctrine from um, yeah. to help." circumvent or like move away from taking books that aren't quite recognized as as we're going to take authoritative doctrine from these books um and so i think it it was almost it was to bring clarification as to where we can where they feel like uh, god has intentionally revealed themselves and others where so so it's even like the apocrypha I believe it's pronounced, mm-hmm. where the Protestants don't recognize those books. Um, and for the most part, the justification that I got when I was doing research was that those books present God in a manner that firstly doesn't line up with how he's revealed himself in the other books, um, but also um, encourages practices that goes against what God had revealed within the new um, the covenants and stuff. And so it, it almost, some of them, they said that they had, it gave like 
um, potions and concoctions that you can do for different things. And like, the people are just like, nah, like this, this can't be legit. And so they're like, we're happy to kind of leave these out. Um, but I know that within the Anglican tradition, they, they view these books as not being authoritative, but being of benefit to read. And I know that some people, even like the Book of Eli, I know some um, Pentecostals who like intentionally seek out this book to read and they almost see it as um, supplementary or whatever. So it's not necessarily authoritative, but it gives, it sheds more light as to different things within the the Bible. And I think the Book of Eli speaks about um, what actually happened within the heavens when um, Lucifer was thrown down and stuff. Um, And so people try to draw out different things from there. But I think even, so I think in saying that it was almost a safeguarding thing that the um, the council was like, all right, these are the books that we're going to to focus on. Now, with that being said, that I can already imagine different arguments um, from people who may be like, oh, that's not the full truth. Um, they couldn't handle controversy or um, like contradictions in the Bible, so they took out the pieces that blah blah blah. And I've heard Muslims say there's there's a gospel of Barnabas who, so they attribute that to the Barnabas who became part of, no, the Barnabas who was one of the two who was to potentially take over Judas's role. Mm. And they picked the other person. So apparently Barnabas had written a gospel as well. And in that gospel had only presented Jesus as a prophet, not as a son of God. Um, mm. And they argued that because that stood in contradiction to what the wider Bible said, um, they, they just disregarded it. Um, but for me, it's almost like Barnabas just didn't have the revelation of God, which coincides with him not being chosen to be an apostle. Mm. Um, so that correlates, it makes sense. Um, so yeah, I know I can, I can already imagine pushbacks on that and using that as an argument as to why the Bible isn't, um, shouldn't be taken seriously. But it, it kind of goes back to the argument that we we make always and that these 66 books present a consistent message of who God is, his character, his nature, and how he's worked throughout time, throughout um, like centuries and millenniums, um, I believe. And it, it, there's a consistency in the way that God has revealed himself and God has worked. And these things aren't just by chance. And the links and the prophecies that have come to pass and stuff like that just aren't by chance. Um, ultimately, it's, it's a faith, where it's like it's a belief. Um, it's a belief in something that we haven't yet quite fully grasped yet. And there is that element there, but there is an assurance of that faith. And there is that a, a progressive revelation of who God is throughout his word, where there's, there is a consistency. Um, but that's in my brief research. That's that's what I've come to come across, mm. um, and I am I am satisfied with that because I do see the need to safeguard the saints from different heresies and different misunderstandings, mm. um, and to be like, all right, these are the books that we're going to look at, and trusting that these books are sufficient to live a godly life and to live a life that is is pleasing to God. Mm. Um, so yeah while still learning like from God's continual revelation in us and through us, but still like filtering those through the word of God. 
Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Go. Cool. Well, the long good. The man anticipated, but hey. Cool. All right, Moses. Another my my question is for you. It's a, a bit more of a personal one. Mm. Um, what makes a I good worship song? What, what makes a good worship song? Yes. Um. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, I think so, so first, what, yeah. what, what makes an, a good worship song and what makes a worship song acceptable? Because <laughs> I know there are certain songs that you're like, nah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 happy, I'm happy to state those songs. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm fully happy to state those songs. Um, so songs that I can't vibes with are songs that bring God's, nat- God's character and nature into question or misrepresent certain things that um, of who God is, and so ah, um, uh, what's it? Um, reckless love. I'll be overwhelming, never-ending, reckless. I don't like that song because God's love Sing isn't. Boy. Come on, God's love isn't reckless. <laughs> God's love is relentless, but it isn't reckless. Like, and I'm not saying God is calculated and like stuff like that, but. That there is order, there is plan. Like um, even Paul says, like there is no confusion. That like when one person is prophesying and another person starts prophesying, you can stop. And like that there is order. Where wherever God is working, there's a sense of purpose. There's a sense of order. When we look at creation, there's a sense of like order. Even when nature is kind of like like nature just springs up anywhere, but there is still order in nature. Um, so I, I don't vibe with, with like reckless love of God because God's love isn't reckless. Um, and so it, misca- it miscommunicates a fundamental element of who God is because if we believe that God is love and we're now describing his love as reckless, then we're misrepresenting a fundamental element of who he is, um, which is misrepresenting God. And, and, and people be like, oh, it's just a sentiment. And I'm just like, yeah, but like the sentiment isn't accurate. So in as much as I, I understand that, but yeah. Um, and another one where um, he didn't want heaven without us. That doesn't quite sit with me um, simply because it almost shows, it almost hints at an inadequacy within God um, that he wasn't content with heaven without us. And so Jesus, you brought heaven down. Yes, you brought heaven down here on earth, but it wasn't because of an inadequacy within you. So yeah, there, there's like some technical technicalities there. Um, so I think fundamentally when it comes to worship songs, I, I vibe with songs that really um, represent God well and represent who he has, how he is representing himself, um, which lines up with the Bible. Um, and I think that I, I, I tend to see two categories I know there's more, but I tend to put worship songs into two categories where there's a lot more of a cerebral um, worship song, which I tend to find as being, I might get stoned for this boy. Um, I tend to find being more on like the Hillsong, Hillsong vibes and stuff where it, it it's a bit more cerebral, it's a bit more thought through. Feeling based. Not, not necessarily feeling based, but it's a lot more thought based. Um, in what sense? In, in, what in sense? that um, it's almost communicating an idea. 
Um, so crude example, you have a good, good father. That's who you are. It's, it's almost like it's, it's an idea of God as a father. Um, whilst um, there's another one, which, which is which is a lot more experiential, where, um, and I find this more to be Afro-Caribbean songs, where it will be like, um, he sugared my tea and buttered my bread. Like, there, there, there are these tangibles, like I have experienced God in these ways. Um, and so that, yeah, like, um, like God as a provider, or just like, even when like they're singing God's names and even um, everything is double, double. Like <laughs> that song I have a problem with because it just focuses on the blessing. And if it appears like, let, let someone say persecution is double, double. Like no one is going to sing that part there. But um, it's almost an experiential part or something that we hope to experience in that um, that God is multiplying his blessings in our lives um, and is making himself known through that. And yeah, sometimes it can veer more so towards the blessings of God as to, as, as to who he is. Um, so I, I do like a mixture of the two. So yeah, a, what I think is a good, what the, the, yeah, the ingredients of good worship songs would be a mixture of both experience and doctrine, like sound doctrine, but also experience, which which would be the, the ingredients of a good sermon. So essentially the ingredients of a good worship song would be the ingredients of a good sermon, um, like exposition, um, actual biblical knowledge, like some input into this thing, um, and something that grounds it in real life something that grounds it in, in like an experience or grounds it in, in something that is a bit more tangible and it isn't just cerebral, it isn't just head knowledge, but there's something of the heart there and there's something of a lived experience there as well. Um, yeah. Do you, do, you have, do, you have, do you have a favourite worship song at the moment? Um, I've been listening to a lot of lo-fi, so I haven't really done much. But do you know what? I've been vibing with a lot of... Um, William McDowell recently, a lot of William McDowell, um, like Wrap Me In Your Arms, the old school thing, um, Only You Can Satisfy, um, there's quite a few from William McDowell, he's got like a good little, or Spotify's got a good little playlist for him, um, of quite a few of his songs that I really advise you, like, even like Spirit Breakout, whew, like, William McDowell's version of Spirit Breakout, yeah. Like, I listened to that, and from the first couple seconds, I'm already sprawled out, just out cold. Um, yeah. Yeah, William McDowell. Cool. Yeah. And for yourself, and for yourself Peter? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, William McDowell's always been my guy, to be fair. Um, so I've listened to quite a fair, fair few of his ones and like a quite a few of a uh, fair few of his ones. Um, today we were listening to Jonathan McReynolds on the way mm. to church, which was quite, quite nice. So, so yeah. Sure, if I can just jump in, um, Maverick, Maverick seems to be seem to be on a come up now as your channel more. And uh, Naomi Rain, I believe her last name is. Like her voice is a madness, and it isn't just the voice, but like, whoo, yeah, Pia, you can go back. No, no, yeah, so just those. So, 
I, I don't know if I have a favorite one, but those sort of two artists, um, I think I, I really, really enjoy. And then the old school sort of, you know, mm. proper old school stuff. Cool. How about yourself, Robert? Um, I find myself singing with some pagan take. My Redeemer Lives. Like, oh, okay, that's not pagan. That's good. Yeah, yeah, like my redeemer. It, it, no, 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 nah, no, nah, okay. that one. You, that old one. one, I know my redeemer. Lives, I guess, no, no, that one, and I know my redeemer. That's exactly what I said. I just didn't sing yeah, it right, exactly. That's, you sing it right. Oh, that's what I was singing as well. No, it wasn't. No, you're singing. There's a different version that you, oh, okay, you're singing. I know he rescued my soul. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Wait, is, is yours Israel Houghton? No, oh, it's, no, it's Nicole, it's Nicole something. something. <laughs> this is from no, this is from so long ago. This was when they had one. Is it one TV or one something? So, yeah, so long ago. Let me see if I can find. I've got, I've got was, it, was it? Was it? Um, was it Stomp Days? Literally, yeah, yeah. So okay, uh, was, Nicole C Mullen. See, uh, yeah, that yeah. I was going to, I was just going to defend Reckless Love a little bit. Not necessarily because I like the song, but because um the guy was explaining why he chose that word. And it was his personal experience. It was what he was going through. But he said the love appeared to not be concerned with the consequences of loving him. Um and so that's why he chose that word was it seemed reckless. It is reckless. That is what reckless. That is that is the definition of reckless. Whether or not God's love truly is unconcerned, because we don't necessarily see it as it's, it's reckless, makes it sound like it didn't know or care about the consequences. We know God both knew, instituted, and cares about the consequences. However, his experience and what he was going through, he said, the love of God felt to him as though it was not concerned with the consequences of loving him and that's why he chose reckless and that's why the song goes on about you know it will chase him down it will yeah. break through everything and so it's like yeah I, I i i get what you mean in it being technically sound um but also i think i appreciate his sort of personal experience of it and why he chose that word in relation to his um perspective so I just felt to throw that in there because I didn't right. listen to him. Yeah, but you know what? I, I I haven't I haven't come across that exposition of of the song and why he chose that that um that yeah. word. And I guess with it being birthed out of a personal experience, again, it's honouring and respecting that personal experience, even as I navigate um, the tensions around the different choice of words and stuff. And I guess that can almost that can also be almost like um, theological snobbery. <laughs> Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that phrase now. Yeah, like, yeah, it may also be theological snobbery where she's like, "Oh, I, I know, I know theological." Like, <laughs> um, which, which can then dismiss real life experiences and interactions with God and language that this person is now associated with with that interaction, even if it, is, it isn't something that I would readily associate with it. Um, but it's honouring that, like. God has still, like, yeah, worked in this guy's life tangibly, and yeah, so yeah, yeah, I I can hold that one. Cool. All right, so let's get into it today. Well, we've been actually speaking for a while right now. Yeah. But let's go. Okay, so we'll have a bit of a short conversation. Maybe it won't be short. Maybe we'll just be a longer episodes. How about that? 
So last week, um, Mo Farah, he didn't qualify for the Olympics. Oh, sir. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he was off by 19 seconds. 19. One night. 19. Yeah. And yeah, and I think that he's currently the defending champion, but because he he didn't qualify, he won't, he won't be able to um, defend. Yeah, wow. which which is fair because like he is forty now. Um, he's oh 40. snap! Yeah, so yeah. to have been doing that for as long as he has, it's commendable. Mm-hmm. And then and then there was one quote um, that he said. Uh, let, me, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, so it was like, I've had an amazing career. Thinking about it tonight is a bit shocking. I don't really know what to say. I'm lucky enough to have so many medals. I'm one of those athletes who, if I can't compete with the best, why bother? Maybe it's time to spend time with my kids. And then um, I think Andy Murray had a similar um, yeah. sentiment yeah, where he was like, fun. yeah, where, where it was like he, he, he wasn't competing to be the best right now. He was just competing for the love of the sport. Yeah. Mm. And it just got me thinking, like, when you get to that top level, is competing just for the sake of competing enough? And then I wanted to bring it down to us mere mortals level. Like, <laughs> um, are there times when just doing something for the love of it is not enough? If you don't, if you feel like you're not being as good as you can be, and you maybe like hit a ceiling or a wall. Mm. I mean, it's it's hard. I, I I don't know about you guys, but I I think it'll be hard to speak to um, the perspective of the elite uh, athlete because, as you said, you know they've got to a certain level. They've got to best in the world at this particular thing. Um, and you look at people like a Michael Phelps or even a Mo Farah, and you can see it biologically in them, physically that their 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 dedication to this particular thing has had a physical effect on their 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 personhood and so Malfara is like mm-hmm. stick thin and Phelps has like ridiculously long arms and a long torso for no reason. Um, and I think when you get to that point and also it, it's also the um, the dedication that they have to give to it. So Malfara is saying spend time with the kids. I, I imagine is real because I, I I don't know about track and field, but I know for fighters and and fight things, you know those people that I follow, um, it it can mean it can literally mean months without seeing your kids, months without seeing your partner because you are dedicated to training and every single day you are training and you're recovering and you're eating and everything is this 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 pursuit that you have and so I I can sort of almost. I can understand why once you are still doing that, but you are not doing it to be the best because everyone can run. I, I, yes, everyone can run like a ultra marathon. You know, you, you might take a bit longer. You might take a bit, you know, you might die along the way, but everyone can run it. Um, <laughs> however, to be the very best in the world, you are then, you know, you're then, you're not cutting any corners. You're then eating right. You're sleeping mm-hmm. right. You're, training every day your shoes your clothes everything is like you're, you're working within such such thin margins of error that it's you know it's 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 a whole different thing and so if you're going through that and you're not going through that to be 
that elite number one, then it becomes a thing of, is it worth it? Because now you're doing everything that everyone's, because you're trying to shave off seconds. Mm. And you're like, you're not doing that to be number one. You're just doing that for the love of it. I can see why there, there'll be tension there. Because at that point, it's, it, it's, it's too much. I, 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 can, I can imagine it's too much. It's too expensive in time, in effort, mm. in, in, in heart. Uh, to not be number one, so I, I get that. I get that. But as I said, I, I don't know if uh, I can relate to that in any way because yeah. I'm not trying to be number one at anything right now. <laughs> right now, um, yeah. This this is something that I've actually thought about. Um, I thought about a lot, and so with photography and stuff like that there's there's been times when I've been like oh like I want to bang clients I want to do this I want to do that when I say I want to bang clients I want to get clients <laughs> let me just clarify yeah. especially photography yeah boy number of these photographers that be like yo I'll take a picture for you you know what you, you, you can't pay <laughs> because <laughs> philosophical works out a lot I've got this tip that man can film um <laughs> Um, I just want to get royalties in that. Um, so yeah, um, in 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 attempts to get clients and stuff like that, there's there's inevitably this, or not inevitably, but there's this risk of like comparison and almost like this championship sort of mentality where it's like I need to break into this thing and do do this and do that. Um, and I, I have been pushed back into a space of of loving what I do and trying to grow from a place of love um and so pushing myself to be the best or not even pushing myself to be the best that I can be but rather enjoying this thing and knowing that the more that I enjoy it the more that I will give myself to it and the better I will get at it as a result of of enjoying it and I think there's there's a, I believe it's in, um, it's either in The Prophet, Claudia Brown's The Prophet, or um, The Alchemist, that mentions that a, like the best at something wants to fight or wants to face their opponent at their best. Otherwise, it's a cheap victory. And what I, it's something along those, I'm butchering it, but it's something along those lines. And what, what I was understanding from it is that once you get, once you become so good, you want to face other people who are equally as good, um, even if it's oh. just from, from the love of it. And, Sounds like Goku. Yeah. And it's like, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, some of the only people that you can face who are as good as you may be on a tournament level, maybe at like as a as has to be as a professional um, competition thing to be able to get that elite. But it isn't so much so that I'm trying to do this to be number one. But it's like no, I'm continually trying to push myself to be the best that I can be. And at the stage that I am at now, going to just a normal track and field. It's not gonna cut it because I'm I'm leaving everyone in my dust, but I know that I'm not being pushed to my limits. And so I need to enter into a space where people are pushing themselves. Um 
and that's when like tournaments and stuff come in but there's a very fine line when you get there where it's like am I doing this to be number one or am I doing this to continue just enjoy and push myself at the stage I'm currently at Um, I would like to be doing it for the love of it I would like to be doing the stuff that I'm doing for the love of it which for me would help me balance loving family loving myself loving like loving the things that are around me and not just this activity um it will, hopefully will give me a lot more balance as to loving all that God has put before me as opposed to just like the gifts and the talents so that's that's kind of how I've um I'm working around it at the minute you know when I when I first asked this question the first thing that came to mind was playing Smash Bros with my brothers <laughs> Because um, Smash Bros, for those who don't know, is a very competitive game. Even like no, no matter what level you're playing at, it's competitive. And for and for a long while, I was the best. I couldn't be touched. You know, when I when I bring out the Min Min, when I bring out the little Mac, oh my days, I was making. But recently, <laughs> <laughs> things ain't been going too well. <laughs> Whew. And then, and, and I've had to resort to playing dirty to, to get wins. The wins that I can get, unfortunately. And I can't lie, not being, not, not winning is making me not want to play as much. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know if that just means I'm a sore loser or a bad winner. Maybe it's a combination of both. Um, but I do find in myself when I'm not, um, working as as best as I think that I can it, it, it kind of demotivates me to want to try harder because then because there's a level of work that has to be put in to get to the next level which I don't know if I want to put in because I I, I guess that's that fear that I'll put in this work and I still miss the mark yeah and then I feel like oh, oh that was a waste of time <laughs> <laughs> um, even though like you know from like like any work you put in it's, it's never it's never truly wasted because you, you learn new skills along the way but yeah but there's nothing worse than like shooting for a target only to come up short and i think i think that's and i'm i'm, I'm saying these things but hopefully i'm it's not coming across as though like i've got i've got a pattern because it's still something that is to be wrestled with and like worked worked out practically. Um, so so there there are two specific things that I'm I'm like yo like I want to be at the top of my game with these two things. Um, and before we we've mentioned a couple of them before in podcast and um, you guys have mentioned that I put in the work and I was like yeah like I, I want to put in the work so like when you when you see my work you know that yes like mine's about this like I put in the work you can you can see that I put in the work but now more so my heart is is shifting towards just like I really enjoy these things um like the very first time that I started taking pictures it was at the the first time that we went on retreat which was in like I think it was like 2013 mm-hmm. um and I just, I just loved it. And I just kept on doing it. And I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn how to make pictures better and this and that. And just, just kept on going into it. And I'm like, I want to get back to that stage where 
oh, I want to be at the stage where it is literally like I really enjoy these things. And so I think about it, I like research into it, I get into it, knowing that the more that I kind of, so my mindset is more so mastering as opposed to being number one or anything like that. And and what I have in mind with mastering, and it's something actually that I got from Demon Slayer, the anime, which is fascinating. And it, it was a case in which the couple of the first episodes, he learns the techniques but then his sensei is like, I've taught you everything I can do. Now the rest is up to you and just walks away. But his sensei is like, you need to cut this rock. And one of the ghosts come through and it's like, you haven't mastered it yet. Like it isn't in you. And it made me realize that sometimes we feel mastery is like gaining all of this knowledge and all this information. But rather when something becomes a part of you, when something like, it almost becomes extensions, like extra limbs of of your of your personhood um that's that's when you're getting into the into the realms of a master um and i'm like yo like i want to be able to walk and see pictures like see photographs that i could have taken to be able to to visualize okay in a 50 millimeter shot this is what it would look like and if i was to edit it this is what the edit i'll be going for and be able to recapture that exact same thing having gone through that process and being able to walk and like be be picturing these scenes as I'm going down, um, that it becomes part and parcel of who I am, that level of mastery. And I, that those things come from like years of investment of really enjoying it and not just trying to be number one, but actually enjoying what you're doing. Um, but so but yeah. don't you think there comes a stage where enjoyment isn't enough to get you to that next level? Because 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 the, the, the common point where to get to the next level, what you're doing is no longer enjoyable because it's like we're in that grinding phase. So I thought about that, as, and again, this could be a naive um, thought, but I'm like, with my enjoyment of photography, for example, there has been times that I've wanted to pack it up, I've wanted to give it up. Like I'm like, nah, this this ain't popping. I couldn't deny that I really enjoyed this and so I may put down my camera for months and then after a while I just see myself gravitating back to my camera and being like ah flip this man pick up the camera again and start working that again and then there's almost this gradual like returning back to it um that I have found in my life anyways that I've tried to walk away I've, I've gotten frustrated for one reason or another but I've just gravitated back to it and I've picked it back up and I've put in the work. And so I've almost seen it as there will be work, but it's almost like my love for the thing will keep me going or, or me wanting to get back to a place of loving it will keep me going. Um, there's a quote, I think it was from, it was from a basketball player that really sums some, some of this up for me, where he's like, we we work hard at uh, mastering the basics that we never forget and enjoy the game. And that's almost the mindset that I've, I've kind of adopted where it's like, yo, like I would rather work hard and grind and like get these things in me so that I can just let everything just flow out as I just enjoy it. And trying to get to that stage is something that I'm like, yeah. So yeah, there, there have been times when I've just been like, oh, run all of this, I just want to let it go. 
but I just find myself gravitating back towards it and just picking it back up and just putting in the work again. Mm. I think I sense Pete about to drop, drop like a, a nuclear thing and just turn the mic off again. No, no, not even, not even. I'm just, I'm just thinking about what you're saying. Because no. even there was um, my when I started doing kickboxing, um, one of my instructors and I had two instructors. It was nuts. The the black guy realized that he was just trying to exploit me. From the perspective of he recognized that there was skill there and he wanted to put me into fights to be able to like gain notoriety and stuff. But the other guy was actually like, no, like I see something good and I just want to invest in it. Um, he was telling me that he used to be he used to go paintballing every Saturday. Um, every Saturday he was at paintballing, and him and his team got so good that they were invited to play in tournaments. They started playing in tournaments, and it like them them going to <clears throat> going to paintballing on Saturdays became about training for their tournaments as opposed to just going there to have fun. And so he quickly lost the love for the for the for paintballing that initially got them into it. And he's like, when he finally beat the tournament, and they they were going for tournament after tournament after tournament, they finally beat all the tournaments, got all the trophies. He put down his paintballing gun and never picked it back up because he had lost the love for it. And he's like, so that has put him into a place of being like, yo, like I'd never want to do something again just for the trophies. I always want to retain the love that I had for it initially. And that's something that kind of periodically comes back to me and that, yo, like, I, I don't, I don't want to bang this to, to be a magnum photographer. Like if that happens, that's, man's here for it. Man's here for it. If it happened. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to be putting these things up there to be like, this is what I'm working towards. This is what I'm working towards. Um, good work is a reward in and of itself. And I stole that of, of a guy that I'm listening to his podcast because he he's a playwright and due to different um situations, racism involved, he hasn't been able to, he hasn't been put into situation into positions that he ought to be put into. Um but he's learned to just be like good work is a is, is a reward in and of itself. Um and again, like learn from him where it's like his work speaks for itself people see his work and like people yeah they they call out for him but as soon as they realize he's black for the most part they don't give him work and he's like if i was to get like i can't give up like i love this and this is all that i've put myself into and it's really challenged me to be like yo i can't let notoriety or or an accolade or whatever be the pinnacle of whatever i'm doing so long as i do good work that I am happy with, I am proud of, that that is, is an award in and of itself. Mm. Peter, is is love of something enough for you to, to 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 push you through, to continue with it? Or do you just find yourself running in the towel sometimes? Because like, yeah, this is this, this is love. Um it's yeah, it's it's a hard one because I think the so the idea of having to push through things and the idea of having to sort of um, uh, endure, you know, put the, the grind, hard work, all of that, I I tend to think of differently um, in that I, I feel 
nothing nothing good uh, yeah nothing good comes free uh you you sort of you sort of facts you sort of have to i think reframe what it means to to do something and to do it uh to to get better at it and so it's it's i think my i'm struggling with the question because it's never been about um like just the love of something it's it's never been that it's do i do i enjoy and find value in something then i must do it and do it well and then whatever that entails or the pains or the struggle or the grind that is just part of enjoying and doing it and doing it well hey part of the enjoyment the struggle yeah. actually getting better is part of the enjoyment yeah 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 i like that and i think i, I feel think like I, there's no sorry Moses. no i was gonna say i think it's important to for me to also clarify that the the approach that i have taken and it is like what Peter just said definitely is part of it. The approach that I've taken is not something that you can I can apply to everything that I that I do. Um, like I can't apply it to to every every minute thing that I do in terms of like going to the gym, doing this, doing that, that man trying to smash everything and be the best at all of these things. Like I can't apply it to that because it's not realistic. Um, but there's a sense in that like. I love my wife and I want to be the best. I'm not in a competition, but I want to be the best husband. Yes, there will be times where I feel like I feel. Yes, there will be times where I need to invest. I need to learn. I need to, I need to like repent and blah, blah, blah. But my love for her and my desire to love her as best as I can do and as, be- as good as she deserves causes me to push through the bad times and causes me to. And that's one area of my life that I'm like, yo, regardless of whatever happens, I'm going to dedicate everything within myself to be the best that I can be for her, whether or not I get an accolade or not, like she is worth it. And again, when it comes to like photography or whatever, there's there's a sense of like, like photography ain't bae, but it's like, this is one thing that I have chosen to pour myself into. And it isn't just that I have chosen, but I feel like God has almost placed it in my heart to be like, yo, this is a gift that I have given me. And with this gift, I can serve those around me. And so I'm like, okay, I am going to pour myself into this gift. I'm going to put like good or bad, whatever. I'm going to pour myself into it. And I'm going to trust in him at every single stage. So even as when things don't look that good, I'm going to be like, God, I believe that you have given me this camera on purpose. There's there's a reason behind it. I'm going to pour myself into it. And so it isn't everything that I approach, that I approach from the, from the position of mastery or trying to be the best at it. Some things I just do just because that like, yeah, like I just want to enjoy it or whatever. But there are certain things I'm just like, yo, there's like God has placed this before me. I really do enjoy it and I do feel a weight on it. And so I will dedicate myself through it. And love, yeah. Enjoyment and love doesn't necessarily mean that everything's gonna go swimmingly. But even during the bad times, to be like, yo, like it's part, it's part and parcel, as Peter says, it's, it's part and parcel of of the love for this thing, of the enjoyment. It's like a drummer. Yeah, like when people are drumming, like they drum till their fingers get blisters and stuff, but when they're loving it, they're still putting in that work to get it done. Like playing the guitars, fingers are bleeding and stuff, but they're still putting in the work. It's part and parcel of the learning. And I was just gonna say that that when it comes to working towards like a target, like there's nothing, there's very few feelings that feel as good as 
finally breaking through. Mm, facts. But then you also just have to be careful that the breakthrough feeling is not what you're striving for. Yeah. Because cause you also get those times when you could get that breakthrough and then the euphoria you are waiting to hit. Yeah. It might feel nice for the, for the moment, but then it's like, okay, <laughs> what next? Mm. Yeah. That, that even reminds me of... Um, <laughs> anyone who wants to, wants to watch the Demon Slayer film, this might be a spoiler. Hopefully it's not. But at the end, when Tojiro's like, every time I see her, every time I feel like I've broken past the, the limit, I see another level that is like, every time that I feel like I've gone past a wall, I see another wall where people are fighting beyond that and I haven't, like, I can't get there. And that's that's almost a thing where it's just like, yo, like, yeah, there's, there's levels to this. And if getting over the wall is all you're thinking about, when you get there, there's going to be another wall to get through. But if, you, if you're genuinely just enjoying it, like, you break through the wall and just keep enjoying it. You hit the number one and you just keep on putting in that work. Indeed. Indeed. You know, I think that's a nice place to round up. Because mm. um, yeah. I'm out of talk today. I'll just I'll just sort of tail it with, with this. Um, because I've, I've this is coming up in my head, and I think in in finding what pursuits we would want to do, you know, hobby wise, anything. I think it's always good to start out with curiosity and to start out with, yeah, you know, I I want to try this, or I've been doing this, or I find myself doing this a lot, and and to sort of go at it just with curiosity and mm-hmm. with wanting to experience what it's like to do that thing and i think when if 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 that's the primary sort of um so, sort of impetus that we go with then it doesn't matter trying to be anything yeah. or trying to make money out of stuff you just do it and you pursue it because you enjoy and you find value in it and then i think as you know if 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 that's what you're supposed to do then it becomes easier to lose yourself in it and to Mm -hmm. lose time doing this thing and then you want to get better at doing you want to learn more and stuff and that's all very organic so i think that's like a a good organic way to sort of start off finding those things um without the pressure of wanting to make an income off of it or to compete in it or anything you you just you 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 try you open yourself to try things and where you find enjoyment and value you pursue for the sake of you know finding that more and more um uh, not putting pressure on yourself to do anything crazy so yeah facts Mm. indeed okay hookups you know what based off of this conversation um i would recommend a book um by a guy called seth golden um called the dip and another one by the same guy called linchpin um and the dip is essentially just talking about with every new pursuit there's there's a literal dip so like when you first start it, there's like an exponential growth that you go through 
just by acquiring new information about whatever you're doing. But then you hit a certain pace where it's like there's there's a real challenge and there's a real like there's you're having to almost grind to to get more information and then to apply it. And there's a, almost like a, a perceivable dip in in your interaction with this thing. And the book argues that for some things, like some people give up at the dip. They just feel like, oh, this isn't for me. And for some things, it's right that we give up. But for other things, we need to push past the dip. And only after we've pushed past the dip, that's where we see exponential growth again. Um, but it's learning to recognize dips and learning when to like lean into it and learning when to quit. And the other book called Lynchpin by the same guy um, just speaks about being an expert in your field. Um, so again, speaking about mastery and speaking about like um, picking what you want to be a linchpin at. And a linchpin is essentially like a, a, a piece that holds everything together. And so without that piece, everything falls apart. And it speaks about um, as you move towards mastery, you then become a linchpin. You can, there's a potential to become a linchpin within the market, within the area because of your speciality. And so you become indispensable. Um, so yeah, it speaks about mastery, but of, of specific things as opposed to being a generalist. Um, so yeah, the dip, which is more so pushing beyond perceivable dips when learning things. And um, linchpin, which speaks about um, like having the confidence to own what you feel like you want to master and putting in the work to master it to the point where you become a linchpin. Cool. Cool. <laughs> he looks guilty. <laughs> yeah, you, you may have heard my hookup right there. Um, I was trying to check what season it is, but um, the latest season of Seven Deadly Sins, I just finished that yesterday. Oh, you finished um, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's dope. It's dope. Uh, I think it. Uh, actually, I won't say anything about the ending. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, check it out. Check it out. It's it's a fun little. Um, I think it's really it's really nicely written. It's a, it's a good story, and it's a contained story, so it's not like going on forever, mm. which is cool. So yeah, check out Seven Deadly Sins, the latest season on Netflix. Cool. Uh, my hookup is a YouTube channel. Um, it belongs to Wadi, who is a Smash Smash Bros um, player. He mains Mewtwo and Rob, and he's just like a jokes guy. He's like, he doesn't take it seriously, but he's like, I think he's like top twenty in the world, or at least in North America. Yeah, and he's a funny guy. He makes good content. Check him out. Cool. I can't spell any of that. So could you send it in the groups? I'll I'll send it to you. <laughs> Cool, all right, let's round up. Um, shout out to Root for the intro outro music. Calvin Turner for the ordinary amazing logo. Find us at Twitter at Finch UK, Instagram, TBS Furnace. You can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash Furnace No Apostrophe on all good podcast websites and apps to Black Sons Furnace with an apostrophe. I think that's it. Cool. Well, then, this is the Blacksmith Furnace signing out. Blow. Do okay.